Welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Don Housen. And I'm James Barriott. So coming up on this week's show with our friends at Title Law, we have deals and departures. Uh, we'll hear from Gary Monk. Uh, legal proceedings finally underway over the stadium sale. And there's some football to talk about as well. Um, first up, something that I really feel that we do need to discuss that's become kind of significant in the game in the last week or two, and that is the subject of racism. So um, obviously this week it's really come to the fore with what happened at the Manchester City-Burnley game, but it, it feels like something that over the last few weeks has, has reared its head a little bit at, at Sheffield Wednesday as well, um, particularly since the Forest game some of the comments made on social media regarding the tweets from the club about um, players taking the knee and you know other things that are going on in support of the uh, Black Lives Matter um, protest, um, and I think for both of us we feel it's something that you know we we have to make a comment on and and you know kind of um, our own sort of thoughts and feelings on it. I mean. Racism really, it's not a matter of racism not having a place in football. Racism has no place in, in the world and in society in 2020. And I think some of the things said about the Black Lives Matter protest, firstly, very much missed the point, but but secondly, are quite worrying about, you know, the, the, the scale of, um, you know, the, some of the thoughts that are out there. And it, it's really something that, that needs tackling. And, um, you know, we, we'll have to see kind of, you know, how the, whether the club do anything more on it, but it's really something that you know people. There's there's obviously a great need for education. Um, people you know really need to take a moment before commenting on stuff and 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 listen to the discussion and what's been going on because this it, it can't it can't carry on. Racism really doesn't have a, a place in in the world, and and football uh, is just not a place for it. You know, football has long been a place where you know players of every uh, background um every race every color um have been involved for a long long time and it's been it's been disappointing to see what's what's happened and some of the things that have been said over the last few weeks yeah well said james i i agree with every word there i think it was good that the club they they, they came out um a couple of days ago with another message on Twitter where they was you know they said educate never discriminate proud of the players proud of SWFC and proud to support the Black Lives Matter movement uh, and as someone who was fortunate enough to be at Hillsborough on Saturday it was incredibly powerful that ten seconds of when all the players the coaching staff took the knee um, in fact all I was really thinking was that. It was. It's just a pity and a shame that there were no fans there to witness it either. Uh, and so I think you know we've seen so much good from football uh, over the last uh, you know week and a, well the last few weeks really with the Black Lives Matter movement uh, and in the Premier League we're seeing that they're spreading that message on the back of you know on the shirts uh, and also by taking the knee. Uh, and so those I think are the images that we want to go across the world and, and that's what you want people to pick up and then then take more of an interest in the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it's sad and I would like to think that, that it's a minority of Wednesday fans who, who um, put some abhorrent messages in reply to some of the posts that the club put out on their social media platforms. I, I, I think that and I'm, I'm almost certain that 
most Wednesdayites completely understand this movement and support it and behind it. Uh, and so, yeah, it's it's just uh, it's a shame, really, that um, we're having to talk about this at the start of the show. Is really we should be talking about Forest and what has been already in an incredibly busy week at Essex. Cool. I think for both of us, it's important that you know we feel that we are making it very clear that we support the Black Lives Matter movement. We support the players. We support the the club um, in in everything that they've done, and will continue to do so because you know racism um, ha- is something that just has to be um, eradicated. Um, let's talk about the football then, because uh, Wednesday we're finally back out on the uh, pitch after um, uh, what three three month uh, over three month break. One will draw with Forrest. Um, I guess you could give us a fairly unique perspective on this because you were you were there, and I've always think that watching games in person gives you a different feel to uh, how you see it on the on the TV. Um, so yeah, what did you make of it? I thought it was a, a, an encouraging performance, James, and I think that the least that Wednesday deserved was a point. And uh, really, if the finishing had been up to scratch, I think they'd have walked away uh, with the three. And uh, in the first half, they definitely had the better opportunities. That chance that fell to Jordan Rhodes when Barry Bannon slipped him in, if that had been Jordan Rhodes of three, four years ago at the top of his game, would have been in the back of the net. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. Uh, but then Connor Wickham had that one in the side netting. Uh, I thought Wednesday in the five-three-two system, it worked well. Uh, and you could tell that they'd worked on it very hard in the limited contact training sessions that they've had in the last couple of weeks. And I thought they, I thought they looked well organised. And that's you know the, the best that, without a doubt, in the championship that Wednesday have played in some time. Clearly, there's been a, an extended break too. But uh, I think <laughs> when when you bear in mind that Forest fifth in the table pushing for promotion Wednesday been on this shocking run it would have been a travesty if Wednesday hadn't got anything from it uh, for, for, for my mind I thought really for Forrest other than Joe Lowy who you could just see is a class act and I think he's Premier League bound um, if Forrest don't get promoted this season I'm sure that some club will pick him up in the top flight uh, I think that's absolutely nailed on but I wasn't that impressed with with Forest, but I think you have to give credit where it's due to Wednesday. I think Wednesday uh, actually made them uh, look very ordinary and they looked rustier than what Wednesday did. And I think fitness was a bit of a factor, certainly in the second half, but that's completely understandable. Um, overall, though, I, I think for the, the first match back, I, I think you know Wednesday should have had a penalty uh, in the second half in, in, for me when Kadeem Harris went down. So if they'd maybe had... Um, a little bit more of rubber the green uh, Wednesday, I think would have won that. But uh, I, I think most most Wednesday fans would have taken the point um, if if that had been offered to them before kickoff. Probably so. Yeah, I always think it's interesting in these situations to kind of imagine the uh, opposition supporters' perspective on it, because you would think that Forrest would probably feel hard done to, because you always do when you concede a late goal, but would look at it and say, on the balance of play, they 
certainly didn't deserve any more than a point, and maybe they're a little bit lucky to go away with a point because the the chances were certainly there for for Wednesday. It, it felt a little bit like, um, and and this is you know this is obviously watching it from an an eye follow perspective, and my my connection was awful, so there were large chunks that you know I was seeing very stuttery. So it, it'd be interesting to see whether you kind of a, agree with uh, this or or not. Um, but it felt a little bit like those those early preseason games where. There's, you can see the stuff that they've worked on on the training pitch, certainly in kind of, you know, defence to midfield and, and turning defence into, um, you know, offensive opportunities. But that final third seemed a, a little bit, you know, kind of sticky on another day when things have kind of fallen into place a little bit more than maybe more clear cut chances would have, would have come Wednesday's way. You mentioned the, the, the penalty shout. I mean, actually there were, there were two or three penalty shouts all in all, weren't there? Because there was a, a handball penalty shout in the first half. Um, I think the jury very much out on, on that one. And then literally the last kick of the game, there's kind of like a question mark there about whether that was uh, a foul. Um, again, watching it back on a few replays, it's probably not. Um, but you know, the Kadeem Harris one, um, different different matter. Let's wind this back a little bit because obviously come two o'clock, there's a few surprises with team selection. Probably most noticeably was Joe Wildsmith's name being on the team sheet. Now, we'd um, way back when, um, you know, around the time of, of after the Brentford game, we kind of talked a bit, didn't we, about Cameron Dawson and about it, it would be very difficult for Gary Monk just to whip him out and put Joe Wildsmith in, even though actually Joe Wildsmith's performance in the cup game against City, you know, was quite impressive. Um, that that break kind of delivered Gary Monk that opportunity to rethink some things. Um, and obviously Joe Wildsmith coming in w- was part of, that you know, Dawson was on the bench. I've had no suggestion that it was a fitness issue or anything like that. So it seems very tactical. But then also, as you mentioned, that move to you know playing those those three central defenders, three at the back, five at the back, depending how you interpret it. Last time we tried that was against Luton, and it was awful because we'd not really worked on it. So it was pretty clear, wasn't it, that you know there's been some very targeted work that's included Joe Wildsmith for the time being at least becoming the the number one goalkeeper uh, and also that change in defensive system which you would think now Wednesday will stick with or you would hope now Wednesday would stick with not strictly true on the back five James because they did play it at Birmingham um when I think they lined up in a 5-1 5-4-1 and then the City Cup game as well uh but that you're right in that they haven't played it very much this season uh but uh, as far as the goalkeeping situation is concerned, I, I was surprised. I did think that he was going to give Cameron Dawson sort of maybe one more chance. Um, so Gary Monk said afterwards he wants to take a closer look at Joe Wildsmith, um, having only seen him in the City Cup game. And he acquitted himself fine on Saturday. He wasn't really tested too often, had no chance with the goal. Um, made a, I think, what routine save from Lewis Grabben header uh, and saved a shot you would expect him to keep out from Lowy. Um, so we probably didn't learn too much about Joe Wildsmith on Saturday. I think he'd be busier in other matches to come, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, I think Joe Wildsmith is now going to be in goal for the rest of the season, really. I think that that's the my interpretation of it. Uh, and that was the big, biggest change for me. We we always expected, I think, Luongu uh, to come back in. Um, so that wasn't 
um, a huge surprise, and probably Julian Berner as well. Um, and I and I wasn't overly shocked that Tom Lees was on the bench. Maybe a little bit that Adam Reach didn't play. Um, but but the wing backs with Murphy and Kadeem Harris, I thought that Wednesday did actually play with a fair amount of width, and that um, the, the crossing I think from Harris could have been better. But I did think he looked a threat most of the match. Uh, and Murphy did whip in a couple of good deliveries himself. Um, and, and he's just a good athlete, is Jacob Murphy. And uh, you may not be his biggest fan, but uh, again, he put another good shift in um, uh, on Saturday. Um, and I don't, I, don't, I don't mind him. I haven't, I haven't really got an issue with him. I just think that Adam Reach is a better footballer. Well, I think Murphy... Uh, Clearly, very... Gary Monk is on Team Dom. That's that's <laughs> that's the important thing. He's the only one that really uh, that really matters. Um, I mean, perhaps the, the probably the most significant thing when the team came out was was who didn't figure in the um, not just in the starting eleven, but obviously it's it's an expanded squad now with extra substitutes, extra options in terms of making substitutions during the game. So you know, obviously Fernando Forestieri not being involved at all was. A, a bit of a surprise. I mean, obviously things have changed a bit since then, and we'll talk about the the contract situation and whatnot a little bit later on. My first thought when the team came out was, this is Monk kind of giving us an indication of who's likely to now be involved for the rest of the season, and maybe the players that he knows are not going to be around in a couple of games' time. He's pretty much kind of cutting them out now because it's just sort of you know yeah. teasing our a little bit but then he talked about fitness with Fernando Forestieri and said that he was a few weeks behind the rest of the players now a lot of people on social media were making the point that he you know he's been posting a, a lot about uh, on his Instagram and stuff like that about kind of like the work he's been doing during lockdown so seemed a bit confused about that what, what's your interpretation on this do you think that's a genuine reason from from Gary Monk or do you think it is a look you know you're going to find out in a couple of days he's not going to be involved anyway so I'm just telling you this but actually it's probably not true Maybe somewhere in between, James. I don't know for certain uh, re- regarding that. Uh, it's not the first time that I think Forgieri's fitness levels have been questioned by a manager, though. Uh, uh, you know, in, in his time with Wednesday, or where um, they're saying that he's playing catch up. Uh, I, I, I just found that um, astonishing, really, for Gary Monk to say that uh, after the match. When you think that the players should have all come back. At the, at the same level um, they, in the training they've all been and had the same amount together they all went away for this period of lockdown with their own individual fitness programs so that almost implied to me that perhaps Fernando Forestieri if you believe Gary Monk on it uh, and we have no reason to doubt him that uh, Forestieri perhaps didn't stick as rigidly to his fitness program as he should have done uh, or he just hasn't pulled up any trees in training since uh, they returned and then of course with the uncertainty over whether he was going to sign uh, a short-term contract extension until the end of the season and as we we found out um, yeah, him and Morgan Fox and Stephen Fletcher uh, they were all reluctant to commit their futures to Wednesday for the rest of the season and decline their offers uh, but yeah I, I, as soon as Gary Monk made those comments after Forrest about Forestieri. Uh, that, to me, pretty much signalled that this was the end of the road for Forestieri at Wednesday. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it was. Um, it didn't really feel like there was enough time between the team coming out and kickoff to kind of fully sort of interpret that lineup because it was interesting stuff with you know Morgan Fox not being in the starting eleven. Granted, there was a change in system there, but you you know we know that Morgan Fox can you know can can be effective in terms of getting down the wing. So you'd still think, oh, maybe you know he'd be involved in that. So it was it was kind of um, telling. Obviously, Stephen Fletcher was on the on the bench. Um, we know that, you know, there had been some issues in terms of his um, fitness. We, we're probably jumping ahead here, but I think it's probably the right time for us to talk about Stephen Fletcher because he came on. Um, I think he was actually on the pitch for about six minutes. It felt like about seven seconds before he was then having to um, go off again. Now, obviously, you know, I, I would imagine he's not going to play a role at the, at the weekend. And then that's, that's it for the, certainly for the rest of, this season. Um, we've talked a lot about Stephen Fletcher. We've talked about, you know, he he made it quite clear publicly that, you know, he likes it here, that he's got no desire to go anywhere else. We know that it's weird times at Sheffield Wednesday. There's a lot of considerations that are, you know, kind of playing a part in a lot of this sort of um, sort of thing. Ultimately, I probably was a little bit surprised when it came out that, you know, that he, he wouldn't be staying for the rest of this season. Uh, what that holds beyond that, I, I, I really it's so hard to, to to guess. You know, I think there's still probably every chance that we will still see Stephen Fletcher in a Wednesday shirt next season if we're in the if we're still in the championship. Is the do, do there now need to be question marks about Stephen Fletcher's fitness? Because this is what two or three times now this season where you know he's he, he's picked up knocks that you know potentially affected games and, and kept him out. Well, fitness has been something that I think has always been maybe uh question of uh, Fletcher anyway throughout his career that he he does pick up injuries. Uh, but actually, when you look at the stats for this season, he has still played, I think, over 30 matches this season. Um, yeah. And Wednesday's top scorer, he's had his best season in a Wednesday shirt. He is yeah. 33. Was he unfortunate on Saturday? I, I, I think I maybe put it down to that, that it was just bad luck, really, that he's gone off. I think Gary Monk was saying that it's a hamstring injury. Um, and maybe that's affected Wednesday's decision. If it's a hamstring injury and he would have been sent for a scan, if it's a grade two or worse, um, would there have been any point actually in signing Fletcher up? on a short-term extension if he wasn't going to be able to play in the last eight matches or before he fit. So how much would he have contributed? I think they've gotten the same issue with Josh Windass right now, where Josh Windass we know isn't going to feature in the next couple of matches. So is it worth Wednesday actually looking to offer him a deal to the end of the season um, as they don't know how fit he's going to be and able to perform at his best? Um, I hope it's not the last that we've seen Fletcher uh, in a Wednesday shirt. Um, and it might not be with Morgan Fox and Stephen Fletcher. Um, we're going to have to wait and see. There's going to be a lot of competition for them both. There'll be three agents as of next week. Uh, and I'm sure that uh, clubs will have already been in contact with them both. And we don't know. I know we're going to come to the EFL charge in a bit, but we don't know how long the um, the outcome it will take you know, to reach a verdict, or what will definitely happen with that. Um, and uh, I do think that that's it's hampered Wednesday, no doubt about it. And Gary Monk said it himself that 
it's made it incredibly difficult for long-term planning um, and that they had to shelve their contract talks with Morgan Fox and Stephen Fletcher when they were ongoing around that February-March period. Uh, and Wednesday, they can't, with their budget, they don't know exactly what they're working with. Is They don't know what division they're going to be in next season. So I do have some sympathy for the club that it's it's really it's bad timing. Yeah. In fact, that's what we're looking at here with um, the pandemic has seriously, I think, impacted on Fox and Fletcher tying them down. It's I, I mean it's such a cliche to call it unprecedented, but it is, isn't it? And you know we've never been in this situation before, and you know there isn't a right and wrong way of anyone doing anything. Um, a couple of other kind of honourable mentions from from me, from kind of you know the the um, the bits of the game that I saw. Um, I thought Connor Wickham looked a lot lot sharper, and I think I, f- I felt a little bit for him because he's. The, the the games that we've seen him play this season, you know, down at, at, at um, Barnsley, where I think it was his first game, wasn't it, back at Wednesday at, at Barnsley, and um, looked kind of like not quite his old self, and and it's just not really happened for it. He looked a lot sharper, um, he looked a lot leaner, um, and I thought, you know, that that. Uh, certainly gave me some promise, assuming that he's going to be around for the rest of the season, which obviously remains to be seen. But um, you know, you would you would think that there shouldn't be any great barriers to doing that that deal. Um, so that that was quite um, interesting, and also cameo performance, but very good again from Alex Hunter. I thought you know really looked you know good in in the time that he spent on the pitch as well. Anyone for you that that kind of stands out? Uh, yeah, no, I agree with the, uh, those two. Uh, uh, and Alessio de Cruz as well put in some, he did put in some very good corners. Uh, yeah, there's no doubt about it that uh, I think Wednesday's set piece delivery wasn't the best on the day. And so um, the, a couple of substitutes, Alex Hunt uh, with his cameo, yeah, definitely showed what he was about. Uh, and I think it is a matter of time now before he gets his first league start. And I, I reckon it will probably be next week, you would think, with the busy schedule, that there's a strong chance that with Wednesday playing three central midfielders, that uh, Barry Bannon and Massimo Luongo and Kieran Lee, they're not going to be able to play uh, or start um, Bristol City, West Brom and Swansea. So, uh, yeah, Alex Hunt is knocking on the door. And I like the fact that his first pass is always forward as well. He didn't just do the sideways and backwards and that he actually was trying to get Wednesday moving, um, uh, in, you know, in the right direction. And, and he you know, played with um, sort of that no fear and... Um, you know, it's, we want players to take the risky option sometimes. I think that's where Wednesday fall into the trap, isn't it? I think of this year, maybe they have got just too safe, that nervousness and the lack of confidence. Whereas actually Alex Hunt, I think, is a breath of fresh air uh, in that he's young and that he's clearly determined and uh, eager to sort of um, make his mark. And I think actually it's gone unnoticed a little bit when... It's not his natural position, but um, it's the second time now that Liam Palmer has filled in, really, as a makeshift centre-half. And actually, he's, he's looked pretty steady there. Uh, I know that um, some people may point to the Forest goal and say, well, it, it could have been him that played Lowey onside. I'm not quite sure either, from watching it back, why Moses Odebagio is in sort of the left wing-back 
position there either. So it was all that was all a bit of a mess. That was the the one time where Wednesday did look a bit disjointed. But I, I, I thought on the whole, though, Liam Palmer again just showed his versatility and did all right actually. Yep, agree with all that. Honourable mention for him. That was all. I just wanted to throw him in there. But no, yeah, Connor Wickham definitely looked leaner, sharper, and that was, I agree with you, James. That I thought that was the best that Connor Wickham has looked since coming back to Wednesday. Cool. Right. Well, let's let's go to Zoom, and um, this is uh, Dom catching up with Gary Monk earlier today. Look, obviously, I think all of us we would have preferred to to finish in it in a more normal way, but we're not in normal circumstances. Obviously, with the virus coming and you know that extending beyond you know what contracted players or the contracts of players, obviously that's not a normal situation. But I think the most important bit is that we we have to accept the the decisions, you know, accept the players' decisions, whether that's to extend or or to not accept or agree on, on a contract that's been offered. Obviously, with Foxy and Fletch, um, we haven't been able to come to an agreement in terms of contract. But um, I think the right thing to do is, is, to, is to pay our respects to them in the sense of what they've served the club and wish them all the best in the future and, and thank them for the service that they've done. But what I have to do now is focus on the players that are here, that are committed to, to finishing these games and beyond. And, um, and yeah, that's just what we're, I'm trying to do. And... They're all difficult decisions. They're difficult decisions for myself, difficult decisions for the players themselves. Um, I think the best way to, to handle that is, is to accept their decisions and, and, um, and then to try and move on and wish them all the best. But try and focus now on, on the players that are here that are committed to the rest of these games and moving beyond that. Just wanted to check, will you consider Morgan Fox, Stephen Fletcher and Fernando Forestieri for the weekend? Yeah, of course. The last game, you know, this will be the last game for those players in terms of contention. So, yeah, we'll make decisions. Fletcher, um, his scan came back clear, but obviously still feels sore, so he hasn't trained this week. So, highly unlikely he'd be involved at the weekend. Um, but, yeah, the rest of it will be decisions for the game. But, obviously, this is the last game for, for the players, as, as mentioned. And then after that, it will be, as we said, the squad will be the squad. I know you're focusing on Bristol City and the rest of the season, but when do you think there will be an outcome on the EFL case? Well, I think um, obviously that's started this week and all that side of it. But in terms of an outcome, I don't know. As I said, I'm not focused on that. I know it's important. And I know when that outcome comes, we, we all want to know. But at the end of the day, until that comes, you know, it's control what I can control, which is the training, the focus of the players on the football and, and what we're trying to do. We're trying to finish these eight games or these nine games in a real positive manner and get as many points as we can regardless for ourselves to make sure that we can prove a point from that period before that we can step away from that inconsistency that we saw before um, and show a committed eight or nine games together and um, and try and get as many positive results as possible and to prove and to ourselves and, and to our fans mend those couple of bridges from um, the period before that's that's all it's been that's all the talk has been about that's all we've been focused on and that's what we can control and that's what we're determined to do so and the signs like I said to you before even the last week's game that's the signs I've seen from the players and I saw enough of that in in the game against Forest um, where words were turned into actions now we need to put those actions into eight really tough games back to back but um, I feel confident that the players can do that 
Right, so we now head into um, several weeks of this crazy kind of schedule of weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek. Um, I don't. I mean, I I can't even keep up with the Premier League games that are on TV because it's just relentless at the moment. It's just like I need a night off from football after not having any for three months now. I I just can't keep up with it all. So um, we've got Swansea coming up on. Um, is that right? Swansea coming up on Sunday and then West Brom in midweek. Bristol City. I'm I'm on the wrong week, aren't I? Yeah. Bristol City this this weekend. Swansea the following weekend. Uh West Brom in the middle. All right. Look, it's yeah, it, they're all merging into one at the moment. So Bristol City coming up. It is on um Sunday, isn't it? It's a lunchtime uh kickoff because it's it's on TV, whatever that means, because they're all kind of on TV in some way or another now. Um, and then uh, West Brom at the weekend, and then uh, West Brom during the week, and then Swansea the following um, weekend. So um, three games inside the next week or so. Um, uh, the Bristol City game, I mean, Bristol City have had a weird season, haven't they? Because it's, it, as ever with Bristol City, there's moments where it looks like that it's, it's going to be their season and they're going to like have a real shot at promotion. And yet things never quite seem to work out for them. They're, they're slightly topsy-turvy side, um, Bristol City. Um, West Brom, obviously very different matter because they're having a cracking season and that's going to be a real, real um, tough game. So um, I, I think we're going to be saying this probably every episode for the next few weeks, but it's not an easy week coming up for Wednesday. It most certainly isn't, James. Uh, but you're right, Bristol City, Lee Johnson's teams, I've said it before, they are he's very streaky manager. Right now, uh, they're not on a good run, actually. Um, since uh, February, yeah, I know we had the pause, but I think they've won only one of the last eight. And uh, by all accounts, uh, they were very disappointing at Blackburn and got turned over by them over the weekend. They have got some good individuals. And so uh, I think Wednesday, it's more of the same. It's about what Wednesday do, isn't it? And uh, we, we know that it, for Wednesday, they need as many points as they possibly can get. Um, and so Wednesday themselves, right now, the record isn't looking too clever this year. And so as good as the performance was and there were encouraging signs against Forest, uh, they do need to get back to winning ways. And, and when you look at the three matches coming up, uh, in that period, and I think it's eight games actually in 24 days, James. So the the tiny squad that Wednesday've got, or, or should I say, Fredbear, in certain positions that it's looking like, you know, we're hoping and crossing our fingers that the lone players, I would expect there to be some news on that very soon. That uh, and, and Wednesday seem pretty confident that they're all going to stay, and and they need them to stay as well, mm. um, or they're going to be up front really light. Um, going into the final eight matches. So it's, it's vitally important for them. But um, they did win at Bristol City last year. Um, and so, I, I, I don't know. I think that um, of the three matches, um, I look at this one and I think that this is the one where uh, if Wednesday can get the noses in front, I, I, I'd fancy them, actually. Yeah, it's good. I think everything you say there is, is true, particularly just the importance now of, um, you know, at this stage of the the season and it is a mini season this isn't it at this stage this this mini season uh, particularly for Wednesday because we know the way that the squad looks now is not going to be the way that the squad looks next season 
it, it's it's just about results. I think we're not trying to, you know, we don't need to see certain things happening on the on the pitch other than scoring goals and winning games and getting the points that mean that whatever happens in terms of the EFL charge, we can mitigate that by just winning games. Uh, that's very easy to say. And, and ultimately, we've got to go and do it. And, and looking at the fixtures coming up, none of them are easy. There's not a single easy game. I, I mean, there isn't in the championship generally, is there? But, you know, particularly with the games that are coming up, you, you look at all those and just say, God, there's some real tough games there. But that's an excuse, isn't it? And, and we can't, you know, we, we, we know that this Wednesday team have been third in the league earlier this, this season. Um, it's a team that should be capable of beating anyone. And, and, and we've just got to do that. Um, for me, because the fact there's been an eight game gap between the first and, and the second game coming up, there's probably no real reason to change that starting 11 unless Gary Monk feels that he needs to tactically, like there shouldn't really be issues with the fitness of any of those players because it's been a decent break between games. What what do you think? I, I, I would imagine it will probably be the same team. Well, you look at the options and they haven't got too many, have they really? But when you look at, yeah, the realistic changes that they could make, um, I thought Kieran Lee had a pretty steady match at the weekend, I, I don't think Luongo was at his best, um, but they're clearly going to persevere with him, and I think he, you know, get stronger and improve as the games um, go on. Um, you, maybe you could make it maybe a change defensively, put Tom Lee's, I suppose, into the back three if you wanted ahead of Liam Palmer, but I, I don't think there's any need to really tinker no. with it too much. Um, I think you've got to give Jordan Rhodes another run up front. I did think his movement um, and some of his hold-up play in the first half I, I, I thought was, was decent or was better. Uh, and maybe if he, if he gets a goal, maybe he might go on a run. I know we've said this before. We've been here before with Jordan Rhodes. Um, but considering he is the the only definite striker that is contracted to the club beyond this season, uh, then I, I think you've got to give him every chance, really, to try and find some form and get his mojo back. Um, but, so I wouldn't tinker with the front two. I, I, may, I think the only person you could you could maybe make a case for is perhaps De Cruz, maybe. Um, but I, I, again, who would you take out to try? Yeah, and, it's where he fits in, isn't it? Him? I, I don't feel like I know enough about him as a player to know whereabouts he would fit into that system either because he doesn't feel like an out-and-out striker. Um, he, he's not. He's obviously not a midfielder. He could probably play as a winger, but then if we're playing with wing-backs, I, I, I don't think I'd trust him defensively. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'd go along with that. Um, and, and maybe right now, Wednesday talked a lot about going back to basics and not overcomplicating things um you know given everything that they've that's happened this year um so it might actually be a good thing really for Wednesday to to go unchanged go with the same team and play the same way uh, and 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 Bristol City uh, I think this season they have actually played a lot with a back five and that might have been part of Gary Monk's thinking really for these two matches that I would expect the formation could change between now and the end of the season, but he wants that adaptability. Uh, and he clearly fe- you know, feels that Forrest 
playing five at the back was the best way to go. Uh, and with Bristol City quite often playing with five at the back, that uh, you know, fight fire with fire, where going to Ashton Gate and play that way too. Yeah, it would make sense. Um, so we know in terms of players that that are available to be involved. Um, Atty knew you definitely stick it around. Kieran Lee, we've talked about, is definitely sticking around. So they've extended their contracts until the end of the season. We've already touched on this, but you know, just for, for for sake of confirmation, um, we know that Fernando Forestieri, Stephen Fletcher, Morgan Fox are not going to be staying beyond the end of the month. Now, it means that all three of them, in, in theory, are available for the game on Sunday. I think we'd probably both say it would be unlikely for any of them to be um, involved. Possibility, I guess, that Morgan Fox might be on the bench again if um, if, if if it's an area that we feel like we kind of need that 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 covering because he obviously was on the bench um, last Saturday. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, we we've had confirmation that Sam Winall and that Sam Hutchinson will both be leaving the club as well. Um, I think we all knew that Sam Hutchinson wasn't going to be involved, but we know now for definite, you know, Sam Winnell's not going to play a part for the rest of this season. Let's just talk about those two players then as well, because um, Sam Winnell's had a very topsy-turvy Wednesday career. I think he he arrived at the same time as as Jordan Rhodes, and I think there was a high expectation that, you know, those two signings were the two that were going to guide us, you know, over the line into the Premier League, and it's obviously not worked out like that and and Sam Winnell's had a hard time in a Wednesday shirt you know we know that you know there's there's been kind of periods where he has had a run in the team he's scored a few goals went off to Derby did very well there come back and again it's just not really happened and there was the whole thing with him possibly going to Sunderland he decided to stay and fight for his place at Wednesday and again it just did not work out um so it's going to be interesting what happens to Sam Winnell moving forward you know if he if he goes off somewhere else he's the kind of player that you can imagine going somewhere next season and sticking in 20 goals in the championship because he's just that kind of player that when it works for him it just works for him it's a shame that it's never happened at, at, at Wednesday Sam Hutchinson you know what can we say is it six years that Sam Hutchinson has been at, at Sheffield Wednesday um, I, I mean actually ultimately another player whose career has been up and down after you know fantastic you know first half of his Wednesday career um, and I think you know I, I, I on several occasions pointed to him being the key part of the Wednesday team that when Sam Hutchinson plays we have a defensive solidity that we just don't have when he's not in the team for whatever reason two managers have not involved him um and 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 kind of in a in a way it ends in a really sort of a sad situation for Sam Hutchinson with him just not being involved for for quite a few games now and no opportunity for Wednesday fans to give him the the send off that regardless of what's happened in in recent times you know he's been a fantastic servant for the club and really deserves that send off so a, a real kind of just all round sad end to Sam Hutchinson's Wednesday career Definitely, James. I think on Sam Hutchinson, that's the point for me that's um, really sad is that he, he deserves a proper send-off and he's not going to get it. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we see Sam Hutchinson at another championship club next season and, um, and he returned to Hillsborough. So he may get sort of a hero's return then. But he's played over 100 matches for Wednesday influential figure in the Wednesday team that reached the back-to-back playoffs. Um, uh, you know, he's player of the season um, in the 2016-17 year. Two managers, you touched on it there, where he's been frozen out. Um, 
and, and almost deemed a, a bad egg and bad apple. And I, and I don't uh, go along with that. He's a big presence, is Sam, um, and uh, he can be quite outspoken. We always enjoyed in the media talking to Sam whenever he was put up uh, in the press, and that um, was largely down to the fact that he was so honest uh, and that uh, he did have no filter. Uh, and there would, he would pretty much just say whatever's on his mind, and he'd always be direct. Um, and how he spoke was how he played, uncompromising. Uh, and uh, he, uh, you know, I, 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 I'll never forget his reaction after he got that late equaliser at Brentford, where he went absolutely berserk in front of the, the travelling fans. The times where um, he made three tackles in a row in one game, I think it was against QPR at Hillsborough, um, the Hutchinson bingo were misplaying now. Um, it just won't be the same without Sam uh, from that score. But then uh, you've got to look at the bigger picture with Sam Hutchinson, Sam Winnell. We've talked so much about shake-up, reset, time for Wednesday to refresh. Sam Winnell's 29. Sam Hutchinson is 30. Um, they're both on a, a decent whack. Uh, in terms of salary and wage, Wednesday have to get the wage bill down, uh, and they're out of the picture under Gary Monk, and have got no future. So um, it, it was quite clear, I think, really, that those two were going to be released. Uh, on Sam Winnell, I, I, I wouldn't actually go along with um, a part of what you just said, James, in that he didn't have really, for me, actually, a fair crack of the whip. He, he never had a long run in the team. Uh, um, to develop a partnership or maybe um, get his confidence up. And, and Sam Winnell always struck me as a confidence player, really, that if he scored, he could maybe go on a, a, a little sort of flurry and perhaps sort of score six and seven or something along those lines. That injury was a major blow to him. And, uh, uh, you know, it took him, what, 18 months, I think, really, to get over that. Um, and so psychologically, it was very difficult for him. Um, and, and yeah, I think timing for him, just unfortunate that he came along, the, the, you know, and at the same time as when Jordan Rhodes arrived. And Wednesday had so many strikers, the competition was fierce up front. Um, and so he was never first choice. Uh, but I, I'm sure that there will be clubs that will be interested in him this summer. Um, and. Uh, you, you know, you'd like, you know, when's he got to rebuild? Uh, and when's he, we want younger, hungrier, more dynamic players in this team. And so some tough decisions have got to be made. Um, and we've seen Wednesday make a few big calls this week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just just going back to Sam Hutchinson for a second and, and just to kind of add to um, everything you said there, I mean, you know, Hutch Hutch Bingo is going to be um, sorely, sorely missed in the in the darkest of times. It always gave us something to kind of look forward to um, to, to to kind of play along with that. Um, but but also in terms of you know you, you're quite right about you know when when he speaks he speaks so honestly and that filter just doesn't really exist. But you know some of the the, the stuff that he's talked about in terms of mental health I think has just been so significant. Um, it will have helped so many other people um, and and really helped to remove or or challenge a taboo on a subject that is is so so important and um you know i think sam hutchinson will have have really made a difference to 
um, some, some people's lives. And I'm thinking specifically about Sheffield Wednesday fans who will have, you know, heard how honest he's been able to be about how he's felt at parts of his career. Uh, and that ultimately will have helped them in terms of moving forward with, you know, their own issues and perhaps finding help. And, um, I think it's just so important to pay tribute to Sam Hutchinson for, for, for some of the, the, the amazing stuff and, um, the fantastic work and interviews that, that he's done on, uh, that subject. Uh, right then, we, we talked about Joe Wildsmith a little bit earlier on. Back in the Wednesday team, looks like he'll have that run until the end of the season. Um, you caught up with him earlier. Uh, let's hear from Joe Wildsmith. I found out on uh, Friday morning. Uh, it was all sort of kept a bit uh, under wraps. Um, sort of team selection. We all, we all found out Friday morning, Gaffney in the squad, and uh, did the sort of usual pre-match routine going through set plays bit of shape work and uh, yeah it was it was great to, to hear that news and just sort of get back amongst things it's been it's been a while since uh, I've had a championship uh, appearance it was great to get back out there and do what I love doing it's been a good learning curve I've had a, a, a mad couple of years in a sense where I've been dropped I've been been favoured by uh, previous managers and, and then picking up a really bad injury it's been a bit of a roller coaster that I've had to ride and sort of come out the other side with a new sort of belief and, and a new uh, outlook on on football and, and been involved in it because I was in a situation where everything sort of could have been taken away with, with the injury and touching wood obviously everything's gone fine and um, I'm, I'm back now and I've, I probably feel better now than I ever did sort of physically and, and mentally having to deal with those things and coming out the other side I think a stronger person it's given me a new sort of focus on what I need to do and, and what I want from my career so um, it's been nice to see that uh, be rewarded in a sense with, with the uh, getting the nod against Man City and then um, in the lockdown sort of carried on and working hard every day and uh, hoping to come back in uh, as good a shape as possible not giving sort of any uh, excuses for me not to be picked and yeah it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a long road but uh, a road that I'm glad I've been on and a road that um, hopefully can carry on Eight matches coming up in the space of 24 days do you think you've got the strength and depth to cope with that? Yeah, I think I think we have. I think obviously uh, the young lads are involved as well. I think that's what they're there for. If, if anything does need to be swapped around and they're ready as well, we've had uh, probably six or seven young lads in with us training, getting up to speed. So if they are needed, then then they're there. And but I think the lads uh, they've come back in great shape, great fitness, and uh, I think I think we'll be able to deal with that. And, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hot at times, and that's. I mean, the five subs is is a great benefit, I think, uh, especially uh, in the game. So uh, hopefully, we can use that to our advantage and uh, get some good results. What has the reaction been from the rest of the squad, Joe, to Morgan and Stephen and Fernando to them leaving? I mean, obviously, it's. Uh, it's a, it's a shock that, that they are leaving and like Morgan's trained this morning and everything's been fine nothing's really been said it's just sort of been left like this is happening and we'll focus on what we need to focus on and mm. uh, obviously St- uh, Stephen picked up an injury on Saturday and um, we, we, we just sort of move on and focus on, on the football side because we, we can't do anything about 
those guys leaving now. Um, that's that's their decisions. They've made them, and we'll just sort of focus on what we need to focus on. Okay, one final thing for us to um, talk about, and it's been the elephant in the room for a long time. We did a special episode on this during the coronavirus uh, break, and it looks like we could be kind of into the final straight in terms of it being resolved, although potentially not, and I'm sure we'll touch on why that might be. Uh, But that is the EFL charge over the um, stadium sale. So the uh, hearing, I heard someone the other day refer to it as a trial, and I thought, God, that's very dramatic. I quite like that. The trial of Sheffield Wednesday. Um, But yeah, the hearing over um, the EFL charge uh, against the club uh, got underway this week. Um, We don't really know how long it's going to last for. We don't really know what the likely outcome is we don't really know anything other than the fact that if Wednesday are found guilty there's potentially a points deduction there there is also a chance for Wednesday to appeal so again um, it's not I I mentioned it being the home straight it's maybe not quite the home straight because there are still other sort of things as well that could um, go on uh, so we've, I mean, we've got to talk about this. There's probably nothing else that we can sort of say to shed any more light on it, other than the fact that at least now the wheels are in motion, which bring us closer to a conclusion to the whole sorry, sorry affair. You summed it up pretty well there, James. I must admit. Uh, I think the only surprise really is that I maybe expected or, or was thinking that uh, the suggestion was that the charge, the the independent disciplinary commission, it was going to begin. I think perhaps next week, right at the end of the month, um, th- there was a report suggesting that actually they brought it forward now because other clubs in the championship have kicked up, you know, kicked off. We've seen Barnsley uh, threatening to sue the FL and uh, Luton have also moaned about it, um, that it's got to be dealt with as, as swiftly as possible. Uh, and to be fair, I don't think really, you know, if you ask... Uh, most people at the club, any officials on Wednesday, I'm pretty sure that you know they'll be the same as the fans and everybody else. Really, that um, they didn't envisage or want this to be dragging on for as long as it has done for seven months, um, and that this should have been over and done with a long time ago. Uh, and really, this, the sooner we can put this sort of sorry chapter behind us, um, the better. Uh, and hopefully, Wednesday get the outcome. Um, that that they want, um, but yeah, um, we might finally get some sort of clarity on where exactly Wednesday stand. Uh, and worst case scenario, if they were found guilty and given a points deduction that would apply this season, they you're looking at what potentially if they don't appeal it and they accepted it, you're potentially looking at five, six matches of where they know what they have to do to stay in the championship. Interesting point there, isn't it? Because you would think, well, if Wednesday are given a points deduction, you would you would automatically think, oh, they'll appeal that. But actually, you know, if it's let's say a three point deduction, um, and, and you know, we we've we've thrown figures around before about you know nine points is mentioned a lot, twelve points is is mentioned. Um, there's all kinds of other kind of mitigating things about how you can be given a points deduction and then given some points back for effectively for good behaviour. We know that's definitely not going to happen in the case of Sheffield Wednesday because we've not taken this in any way lying down. Uh, but there's also um, aggravating circumstances, the extra points added on to uh, deduction, um, depending how they see it as as well. So it really is anyone's guess. 
but you know, let's say that it was something like a three point deduction for Wednesday. You, 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 that there's a little bit of a dilemma there, isn't there? In terms, of you think, well, actually, you know, with with three points taken off it, we're still very much kind of our our championship status is then in our hands. And if we appeal it and try and push it over to next season, then then you know, there's that risk of the fact that you kind of start in the season constantly playing chase up, and maybe it makes it a little bit more difficult in terms of recruiting players over the summer as well, because they're going to be coming to the club that will definitely be bottom of the table for for you know the the first however long of the season so that it's not daft to imagine there's a scenario where the club may choose not to appeal a, a points deduction uh, I, I think it, it, it's more likely that they will appeal um, but yeah you're right I think it will, it will depend on um, if they are handed a points deduction um, remember there are a range of punishments so it doesn't have to be that um, and we've seen that uh, Birmingham avoided uh, a points deduction for this season different case I know um, so I suppose it, it's worth um, stressing that um, but yeah I, I think they've got a few factors really and things to bear in mind um, and you can't really escape or look past the fact that if it's nine points uh, and I believe that would be the bare minimum and what you were talking about, aggravated losses. Um, nine points puts them in the relegation zone. So the the bang in trouble, um, if that's the case. And when you look at the bottom and you see Middlesbrough put Neil Warnock in charge, um, okay, Hull are in a mess. Uh, Huddersfield is still down there. Um, Charlton, it's incredibly tight. But yeah, Wednesday would seriously have to string a few results together and they haven't done that since December. Uh, so the pressure would seriously be on Wednesday um, and that's why we're hoping that um, they're going to be successful uh, and that uh, it won't come down to any points deductions or punishments uh, and Wednesday do have, as we've said before, um, the best legal team that I think they, they could have for this situation uh, and, and a guy who's got a proven track record in winning cases. So I think that does um, bode well for for Wednesday in this case. Yeah, it's a tricky one. As fans, I think all we've got to do is just kind of keep everything crossed and see how it, uh, how it plays out. Um, all right, then, busy week ahead. We are just about out of time. Um, don't forget, you can catch Dom at Domhausen. I'm at James Marriott or contact the show at Dom and James. Big thanks again to our gold sponsor, Taito Law. You can find them at titolaw.co.uk. Big thank you for joining us as well. If you like singing the blues, please rate and review the show in your podcast app. Up the owls, and we'll see you next week. 